0: They've got this thing, too. I don't know. Uh, anyways, i got a microphone on here, so I'll just stand over here to the side. But uh, anyways, as you can tell, things are a little uh, different this morning. We've got our junior church uh, Christmas program it's just going to uh, gonna happen here in just a moment. So I uh, want to welcome you to the services. Looks like we've got moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and in-laws and outlaws and Amen. Sure glad you're here this morning. Amen. And looking forward uh, to the the kids coming up here in just a moment. Did just have a quick announcement tonight. Our youth director, Brother Tim Quinlan, is going to preach. Lord willing, he still has a voice tonight. Amen. Uh, And then, of course, next Sunday uh, is Christmas Eve. And so our services are at 11 o'clock in the morning and then 5 o'clock in the evening. We've been kind of announcing that quite extensively. So just want to remind you of that. But sure, looking forward to the day today and uh, celebrating the birth of our Savior. Amen. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan, one of our deacons, if you would pray for us this morning. The amen. I want you to be seated this morning. Brother Tim, you come on ahead.
1: All right, the kids will be coming in here in just a minute, so we'll go ahead and turn to hymn number 139. We'll sing uh, the first Noel, hymn number 139.
2: The first Noel, the angel did say. Was to certain poor shepherds in fields they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a Okay.
1: If you'd please stand with me and take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 128. Hymn number 128, we'll sing the first and the fourth verses of O Little Town of Bethlehem. and uh, greet one another this morning. Go ahead and, uh, if you lost your place, hymn number 128, hymn number 128, O Little Town of Bethlehem. We're going to sing just that last verse, O Holy Child of Bethlehem. Sing it out there with me. O Holy Child of Bethlehem,
2: descend to us, we pray, cast out our
1: men come for the offering i would like to read to you from galatians chapter 6 he says in verse 7 be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not for the joe Quinlan, would you pray for the offering this morning Take your hymnal and stand. One last time, to turn to hymn number 213. We'll sing the first and the last verses of Holy, Holy, Holy. seated. At this time, we'll have a special by Miss Anna Quinlan.
3: some captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until
0: Blessing. Aren't you glad for the birth of the Savior? Somebody say Amen, this morning. And I'm glad that all the kids came in and came out and nobody tripped. Amen. And uh, always an adventure, but they did a great job. And you know, it's it's a blessing. And uh, thankful for Brother C.J. and Miss Rachel Reeves, and also Brother Seth and Miss Christy Wisdom. I know they work very very diligently with those uh, young people over there in our junior uh, church, and sure appreciate them very very much. Well, glad you're here this morning. And we have been uh, actually started, I guess, several weeks ago, the Gospel of Luke and going through it in our Sunday morning series. And, and I'm really enjoying that we are uh, right here in the midst of things surrounding the birth of our Savior. Uh, and it just happens to be Christmas time. Amen. And so uh, excited uh, for that. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn uh, with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number one this morning. And don't stand uh, just yet because there is kind of some review that we've got to uh, kind of remind ourselves of. And, and, and if we could say it like this, I, I think that probably most of us would, uh, would understand that the birth that is going to happen in Luke chapter number two is the most, one of the, well, if I could say it like this, probably the most significant moment in the history of time. I mean, in fact, time does revolve around that, doesn't it? That's why you have BC, which is before Christ, and then of course AD, and the year of our Lord, and it's all revolves around the birth and the coming of the Savior. And so, obviously, with that, with with the arrival and the birth of our of our Lord Jesus Christ, God has been at work in very significant moments, and even if we could say like this, miracles that have been taking place. The The angel Gabriel has showed up in two different instances to two different individuals. We know, and we saw this the last time that we were in the book of Luke. We saw the appearance to Mary, the Virgin Mary, a spouse to a man named Joseph. And so God is going to use her to bring forth the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And and certainly we know this. It's he that we're supposed to worship, not her. All right? She's going to be the vessel that God uses, uh, but it is the son of God that's to receive glory and honor. But then the other person, the other individual, is a man by the name of Zechariah, uh, and he was informed that he and his wife would give birth to a son in their old uh, age. And so that child was to be named John, and he was to be the Elijah-like prophet that would prepare the way of the Lord. And he is going to fulfill Old Testament scripture and prophecy as well. Now, this is what we've seen, all right? Though these are significant moments God is preparing for the birth of Jesus Christ, we also know this, that there are some tremendous lessons for you and I today through those circumstances, and through those uh, two scenes, in each of those moments, we saw what I would say is a contrast of faith. Mary had great faith. Because Mary, Mary said, be it, be it so unto thy handmaiden, Lord. And basically what she was saying was she believed God and she trusted God. She took God at his word and said, even though I am a virgin, God is the God of the impossible. And God can do whatever He wants to do, and God is going to do what He wants to do, and certainly going to do that. But on the other side of that, we saw Zacharias. Zacharias didn't have that great faith. Zacharias, the Bible says this, he had unbelief because he wanted wanted to see a sign from God, as as if the angel Gabriel appearing unto him wasn't sign enough. All right? And so I know we would never be like that. All right, but, but Zacharias wanted a sign from God. Well, Zacharias got a sign. He was made dumb and could no longer speak until the child was born and the things uh, that the angel commanded were performed. Look back with me at verse number 20 there just to kind of give you an idea here. It says, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Okay, so just to give you an idea as to where we're at, because here's what's going to happen. In our text this morning, we're going to come to the place where John the Baptist is going to be born. And Zachariah is still not able to speak. He's going to be given another opportunity to obey God. And guess what happens this time? He's going to knock the ball out of the park, so to speak. And he's going to name his child uh, John. So let's look here and and take your Bibles. You're there in Luke chapter 1. Let's all stand in honor of God's word if you're able to stand this morning. And we're going to pick up in verse number 57. So here's, remember, Zacharias and Elizabeth, his wife. And she is now with child, all right, in her old age. Or actually, she's not in her old age. She's just, you know, got many years about her. All right. Amen. She's well-seasoned. that what? Yeah, amen. Amen. So verse number 57. Now, Elizabeth's full-time came that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day... They came to circumcise the child. And they, talking about her neighbors and her cousins, called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Now watch this, not so, but he shall be called John. Now remember, Zacharias can't talk. So evidently they've had a little bit of a conversation. He's been doing a lot of writing. Right? Letting her know. Man, I saw this angel, and now that's why I can't speak. We're supposed to name that kid John. Who's John? Just name him John, woman. All right, now look. Now look what happens now. Look at verse number 61. And they said unto her, there is none. There is none. So this is the neighbors and the cousins still. There is none of thy kindred that is called by, his, by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. So now they've learned sign language. They, they learned that, all right, and Miss Sexton back there, and Brother Gene, they can testify, amen. And sign language is helpful communication, amen. So it says they made signs to his father how he would have him called, and he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. What, now watch. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God, and Elizabeth rolled her eyes. No, that's not what it says at all, Amen, but she's just trying to make it real, Amen. It is real, Amen. But it says they praised God, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with them. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Listen, man, he can talk now. He ain't going to stop. And so it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his covenant. The oath which he, which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, would be, that, we, that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Listen, he's not talking about John, he's talking about Jesus. I love it, I love it, I love it. That even though his son has just been born, he's giving glory to the one that's coming later. Because that's who ought to get the glory. And then he says in verse 76, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. And thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, by the remission of their sins, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Father, would you bless the preaching now and the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, why don't you be seated this morning, and let me give you the rest of this kind of introduction, if you will. Because this is what I want you to catch. Now remember everything that we've looked at. The two scenarios, the angel Gabriel appearing unto Zacharias and then Mary. And now the child has been born. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of. Zacharias' testimony reminds us of two things when it comes to faith and obedience unto God. The first is this. Listen to this. God is a God of second chances. Let me say that again. God is a God of second chances. You understand, like like the word of the Lord came again the second time unto Jonah as he ran from the first one, Zacharias gets another chance to obey God. I'm glad that God's a God of second chances this morning. Now let me tell you the second thing, and this is really the overall lesson of the text. Exercising genuine faith. And choosing to obey God, listen to this, it will not come without hindrances. In other words, people or things trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Look back with me at verses 58 and 59 again. It says, and her neighbors and her cousins. Now this is what I learned growing up. It's your neighbors and your cousins that always get you in trouble. Somebody testify this morning. You understand what I'm saying? But here's the idea. The idea is this, is that if you keep following along, they wanted to name the boy Zacharias after his father. Now listen, in general, there's nothing wrong with this. The problem is, that's not what God said to do. God said, name him John. And so Zacharias had to correct them and name him John. And here's the thing. None of this other stuff would have happened had they, in, had they not did what God said to do. Guess what? Zacharias would still be mute. There'd be no message of prophecy. And we don't know what would have happened to John the Baptist, but praise God, Zacharias did what God obeyed him, what God said for him to do. Now here's the question for you and me. Listen to this. Please get this this morning. Who or what's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? Who's keeping you from obeying God? Well, listen, we've been going down through this whole scene here. All of chapter 1 is lessons and contrasts of faith. And it's about taking God at His word and doing what God said to do in His word. And here's the thing, there's not been a whole lot of spiritual decisions being made. So who or what's keeping you from that? And that is how chapter 1 ends. It ends with Zacharias overcoming that and doing what God said to do and enjoying the rewards of it. Let me encourage you this morning. Do what God said to do. Obey God. Listen, you need to be safe. Do what God said to do. You need to follow Christ in baptism. Do what God said to do. You need to give your life to Christ. Do what God said to do. And I'm telling you, God will bless you for it. I wasn't ready for this this morning, were you? What did you think? We were just going to have junior church and... Little singing here and read some scripture and go home. No, we're going to preach. Right, years ago, I was pastoring in Cassville, Missouri, in Bible Baptist Church there. And we had a dear young lady in the youth department that came in. She started visiting our church. Just a really sweet young lady. And you could tell, you, you could tell, and even from talking with her, that she had a testimony of salvation. She had a, she had a time and place where she called on the Lord and, and she genuinely got saved and she began to come and she began to sit in our services and she began to hear as we would go through the scriptures and we would you know and we would see where God's people were obeying God and doing what God said and we would be challenged on on those things and she began to you know begin to get under conviction about some of those things she knew that she needed to follow Christ in baptism and begin to you know be part of the church and begin to serve the Lord and begin to live for him in her life but the problem was she had a grandfather that was in her life that was very influential, but he was a staunch Catholic. And he despised that she was attending a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist church. And so for her to step out by faith and obey God and, 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 and follow Christ in baptism and begin to serve God uh, in our church, man, that, would, that, that, was a, that was a huge, huge step. Well, well, what happened was at the end of the summer, we had our camp and things like that, and then at the end of the summer, we were doing just like we do with our young people here. We were sending our young people to the youth con at Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and so they'd go there, and they'd have like three days of just preaching and just geared right at the young people and challenging them, basically challenging them to do the same thing we are doing. We were doing at Bible Baptist Church, and the same thing we're doing here. And so she goes there. And comes back with our group and, and that Sunday night the kids get back and we have a Sunday night service and it's a youth service and, and our youth director preaches and our kids are given testimony about how God had, had worked in their life through the summer. And this young lady stands up, talks about how God had worked in her life, and you can just tell she God has been dealing with her and, and she's struggling, and she comes up to me after the service and said, Preacher, I need to talk with you. I said, Okay. So we go back in my office. And we sit down, and she's sitting across the desk from me, and she begins to talk about uh, the, the youth con and how God had been working in her life, starts crying. And she finally looks up and looks at me and says, Preacher, I'm tired of making everybody else happy. And I want to make God happy. And I need to follow the Lord in baptism. I about stood up on my desk and shouted hallelujah. And it was a glory hallelujah time. Man, I was thinking, Listen, listen. What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that she had to overcome some hindrances in her life to obeying and doing what God had wanted her to do, just like Zacharias is having to do in this text. And guys, here's what I know. Please listen to this. Here's here's what I know. I, I know this. Not everybody makes the same decision as Zacharias or even that young lady and chooses to follow the Lord and obey God and do what God's commanded to do in in His Word, a lot of times they're sitting back and they know what to do, and they know what God is expecting of them, but they still stay sitting on their hands, so to speak, and not doing what God has has said for, for them to do. And what I want to say to you this morning is this, that is a very dangerous place to be. And the reason that I say that is really for two simple reasons, but, but, but important reasons. Well, the first one is this, that's not real faith. Real faith, well, you know, preacher, I came here this morning for a chill bump or a goose bump, that's not real faith. Real faith isn't just an emotion, and, and real faith isn't, isn't just accepting the facts, and and Because here's what, here's what James would say. He would say, the devil and his angels believe there is a God. That, that's accepting the facts that there, there is a God. And he says this, you do well to do that. But, but here's what real faith is, a trust in God and His Word that reveals itself in obedience to what God has said. James said it like this in James 2.17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. I like what my preacher used to say and the reason that he said that was because his preacher used to say this and he, he said this, he said James wouldn't be allowed to preach in most Baptist churches today because nobody wants to hear stuff like this but the reality is that's why we're not doing what God said to do in His Word and we're not exercising our faith, sitting on our hands and making zero spiritual decisions in our life. That is not real faith. You say, well preacher, I know what I need to do. Great. Ye do well. But real faith is actually acting on that, committing to that and obeying that. And, and here's the thing, and here's the second reason why if you and I aren't doing what God said to do in, in His word, then here, listen to this, please listen to this, that means this you're not prepared. You, 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 look, look down at verse number 67 of, of Luke chapter number one <clears throat> You, you look at Zacharias here in verse number 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, you See, as the tongue of Zacharias is loose, and he begins to give this prophecy re- regarding the coming birth of Christ and the responsibilities of his son John to prepare the way of the Lord. Zacharias really shows us some of the spiritual decisions we need to make and why. You, you begin to read down through here. Look at verse 68. So he prophesied, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, and he begins to prophesy, which basically means this, to, to preach and to even give truth that's going to be later fulfilled. And he says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Zacharias is not of the house of David. He's of the house of Levi. So he's talking, he's not talking about John the Baptist, He's talking about Jesus Christ and Joseph and Mary. So, so and, and then he goes on and says, And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets in verse 70, which had been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that, that hate us. And so all of these things, listen to this, all of these things deal with Jesus Christ and the salvation that he is bringing to mankind in his birth. His redemption, He's going to redeem His people in verse 68. His salvation in verse 69. His, his fulfillment of the Word of God to deliver us out of the clutches of our sin and of our enemy, Satan. Come on, friend. Somebody say amen this morning. Help me out a little bit. You understand? That, that's what He's talking about. And you understand, this is why this is why Jesus Christ came. This is the theme of the Gospel of Luke. That the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which which was lost. And again, I I love that Zacharias, his prophecy begins with and is mostly about Jesus Christ. Well, why? Because John the Baptist, as much as I love the character of John the Baptist, he is not Jesus Christ. Listen to me. John is not the Savior. Jesus is. Jesus is the one who died for me. Jesus is the one who rose from the dead. And even John will proclaim later on in John chapter 3 and verse number 30, which is going to be our theme for next year, He must increase, but I must decrease. Because even John knew it was about Him. It's His shoes that I'm not worthy to latch it. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, friend, but but here's the point. Listen, listen. Man, man is not automatically born saved. Man is not automatically born redeemed. Man is not automatically born right with God. Does anybody catch this? Man is born a sinner. Man is born in his sin, and so therefore he has to come to this place where he understands that his sin is going to send him to hell for all eternity, but that God in His great love and mercy sent His only begotten Son to die for Him and rise from the dead so that he could be saved. And then man has to decide that he's going to humble himself and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And the moment that man calls upon the name of the Lord and makes that decision, he's born again and he's saved and he enjoys everything that, John, that, that Zacharias is talking about right here. But you've got to make that decision. Look at verse number 76 Thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest Thou shalt go before his face, before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways Give knowledge of salvation unto his people By the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God Whereby the day spring from on high Hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness And in the shadow of death to guide their, our feet into the way of peace And so The prophecy now turns to John the Baptist and his responsibility in all of this. He's going to go forth and prepare the people for everything, the arrival of the Savior. Why do do you think people are going to repent and and be saved? And they're going to follow Christ in baptism and they're going to begin to live a holy and right life under John's ministry because these are the things that Jesus expects of his disciples. He still expects it today. And what I'm saying to you though is this. Here's the point. John the Baptist is going to prepare the people for his first coming. All of this has already happened. The birth, the sinless life, the lowly manger, the miracles, the cross, the empty tomb. Somebody say amen. But you understand as the angel said during his ascension that this same Jesus as you saw, he will come again in like manner. What I'm saying to you is this, is that he is coming again. And even Zechariah's prophecy, a lot of it spoke to those things. And if you've not been saved, and you're not following God, and you're not serving God, and you're not living in righteousness and holiness, then what I'm saying to you is this, you're not prepared for him to come again. You're not ready. You're not ready. And what will get you ready is this. Go ahead and make some spiritual decisions. Go ahead and get off your hands and do what God said to do in His Word. In fact, let me me give you some things here. Listen, I I realize that Zachariah's circumstances in this scene, obviously very unique because God is doing something. He is preparing for the arrival of His Son. But again, that doesn't mean that we don't have things or or people that can hinder us from following the Lord. We, We can And that's what's demonstrated there. Back up in this this earlier section, if you go back to verse number 13 of the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 1, Gabriel tells Zacharias his name is to be called John. All right? And so now you get to verses 58 and 59, and all the neighbors and all the cousins, they are there to rejoice at the circumcision of the child, and they, they want to name him after his father. And what I'm saying to you is this, like those neighbors and cousins, sometimes we have people and things that just keep us from doing what God wants us to do. You know, sometimes, listen, sometimes it's not a who, it's a what. Sometimes, sometimes it's just outright sin. Keeping us from doing what God wants us to do. Come on, don't, no, 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 come on. Come on, listen, listen, sometimes it's just outright sin. Let's be honest that there are things in our life that we know God's not pleased with and shouldn't be there, and we need to put those things away, and we need to get busy about doing what God's called us to do and says to do. Amen. Sometimes we know that. Come on, I, li- listen, I, I have a dear friend that I, I've given this testimony before, but uh, when I was welding uh, and working construction, I had a friend that I kind of grew up with and working construction with and things like that, and I got saved. I got saved in 1996 at the age of 20. And when I got saved, I began to witness to my friend, and, I, and he, had a, he had a place out in the woods out there in the panhandle of Florida had a little access lot to the creek, and he liked to go out there on the creek, and, and, man, the beautiful water out there and the white sand and stuff, and he'd sit out there and hang out with his buddies and drink beer all weekend and things like that. And I started witnessing to him, and I was like, man, you need to come to church with me. You, you and your wife, your kids, y'all come to church with us, and, and you, you need to know Christ as you're saying. And I started witnessing to him and witnessing to him, and witnessing to him, and finally, he looked at me and he said this. He said, man, he said, look, I don't want to go to church. And I don't want to get saved. Because if I get saved, then I know I'm going to have to give up drinking beer and hanging out with my buddies on the weekend, and I don't want to do that. It's, listen, the point is this. Not that he didn't know. He knew. He just didn't want to give up what he had in his life. Now, listen, I want to say this. On one hand, at least, I'm, listen, I'm glad he was honest with me thankful for that a lot of times that's what people are thinking they just ain't got the courage to say it but at least he said it and he was honest with me but at the same time what a sad trade that is what a sad trade that is for alcohol and wickedness and sin and to stay that way when you can let god come into your life and change your life and your family for the better and man finally have joy and finally have peace with god and, and have the blessings and the grace of God. And come on, somebody say amen this one. not like that's a terrible thing here. But, but listen, sometimes, sometimes, here's what I've seen, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not things that are in and of themselves wrong, but we just make them wrong because we put those things before what God wants and says to do in His Word. We make an idol out of it. There are people that refuse to come to church on Sunday night because they've got to watch their sports team play on Sunday afternoon. And here's what I'm thinking, get a DVD DVR, not a DVD, I guess a DVR now. Record it and be faithful and obey God. No, 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 I'm just listening, I'm just telling you, there's a whole host of things and scenarios that we could go through on things that, that people put before God. And, and they're sitting back, and they know they're not right with God. And they know they're not doing what God said. And they come in and out of church, and they let it go in one ear and right out the other. And then they go home, and they wonder why things aren't right with God. I don't have any fellowship with God. I don't have any blessings of God. I don't have any peace with God. I'm just struggling. I don't, hear, I don't hear His voice. I don't sense His moving and working in my life. And we sit back, and we go, wonder where God is. God's there, friend. The ball is not in His court. It's in our court when we know that we're supposed to be doing something, but we're living for something else. And He's waiting on you to finally make a spiritual decision and to trust Him by faith and do what He said in His Word. And here's here's the other thing. And sometimes it's not things, sometimes it is people. Sometimes it's evil people. Sometimes it's wicked people, mean people. I know we wouldn't know anybody like that in our day. No, a, go to Walmart. And sometimes people can be some of the most hateful individuals on planet Earth. I, listen, I've, I've seen spouses get saved and the other spouse not saved and be so mad. I've seen teenagers get saved and the parents mad and upset. And I'm thinking, Why? Sometimes it's good, well-meaning people. It's what happened here. I don't think these people, listen, you, you, you understand that, that when they're coming on the eighth day to the circumcision to name the child, the reason they're doing that is because that's what Abraham did, their father Abraham. But, but here's, listen, but, but the other thing is, that this is what I know. When, we, when all of our kids were born, I didn't call up my neighbors and go, hey, what do you think I ought to name her? I didn't call my cousins and go, what do you think about? What are you thinking about, you know, our, our, our baby girl's going to be born. What do you got? Did any of you do that? I don't think anybody did. did but, but, here, but this is what's interesting. When you study this out, did you know that, that this actually, it, it's not commanded, it's a tradition. And it actually goes back to the days of Ruth. Anybody read the book of Ruth? Okay, let me ask you this. Anybody read the book of Ruth? <laughs> what do he say? Ruth, what? At the end of the story of Ruth, what a great story, amen? Ruth and Boaz have a son, and they name the son. Not, not Ruth and Boaz, the people, the family, the neighbors name the son. And so it's a, a tradition that continued from the days of Ruth and Boaz Where the neighbors and the cousins would name the son. I would never let my cousins name because they would come up with something crazy I'd have to live with the rest of my life. You evidently don't have cousins like I got cousins, amen. (laughs) This is what's interesting. Zacharias had to make a decision between what was the tradition of men and what God said to do. I catching that? Now, now, here's, listen. Now, before we start running off in our mind uh, about, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and things like that, about, about how, you know, traditions and, and, and stuff like that, let, let me be very clear when it comes to the word Tradition. Because people today want to label pretty much anything that violates their own carnality as a tradition of men so that they can continue in their carnality. But you need to listen to this. There are biblical traditions. Let me say that again. There are biblical traditions. In other words, there are things that are given in the Word of God that are traditional, meaning this, we're to still keep them. In fact, Paul would say this to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or epistle. Do you know what that means? That means this, that people can call them traditions, but as long as they are based on the word of God, we still need to keep them. But obviously there are traditions of myth. And, and some are harmless, but, but at the same time, some of them can be very hurtful. Especially when they're keeping you from doing what God said to do in His Word. Now, I know we're, we're sitting here this morning and going, Well, preacher, I'm not, a, I'm not a Jew. I didn't have any cousins or neighbors trying to name my kids, so we don't really have any traditions. Liar, liar, pants on fire, we got traditions. Some of us are more concerned with those right now than we are obeying God. In fact, Christmas time, we got a whole lot of traditions. Right. Right. I remember when Natalie and I, our, our, our oldest daughter, was born. And we were just kind of doing whatever the world was doing when it came to Christmas time and things like that. Halloween. And I can remember listen, looking at the scriptures and seeing the things that God said to do and what we were doing about Halloween. And I was like, well, we're not going to do that anymore. Huh? What? Yeah, we're going to do what the Bible says. Oh, you guys must be in a cult. No, we're just doing what the Bible says. I'm not going to tell my kids about Santa, who has the same, who's been given the same attributes as God. He knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. And he knows if you've been bad or good. There ain't but one person that knows that, and that's God. Is everybody catching this? Santa is not all-knowing, and Santa is not omniscient, and Santa is not eternal. That's right. And here's the thing. I'm not going to... No, no, no. I'm just, it's a make-believe deal. I'm not going to lie to my kids. I'm going to keep it about the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. So when we celebrate Christmas, yeah, sure. sure yeah, no, 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 no. We have, we have traditions that are harmless and things... And looking at Christmas lights and sharing gifts and trees and all. All of that stuff is harmless. But I'm telling you, friend, that when it comes to making it about some imaginary character or making it about Jesus Christ, I'm going to make it about Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, we have our traditions. And it's not just in that thing. Listen, I, I know people that need to make serious spiritual Decisions, and have come across people that need to make spirit, serious spiritual decisions, and this is something they'll say. Well, grandma said. Well, who cares what grandma said? What does the Bible say? Yeah. And if different, and if it, and if it different, and if it's contrary, if it is contrary to what God said, I would rather do what God said, yeah. because here's what. Listen, listen. Because in the end, when it's all said and done, I'm not going to have to stand before Grandma and give an account. I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account. Let me just encourage you this morning. Listen to me. Don't let the peer pressure of family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, traditions of men or even some wickedness and sin that's in your life that you're struggling to hold on to, don't let any of those things keep you from doing what God said to do. And, and here's why. Because not only is that real faith, when you set all of that aside, and you take God at His word, and you do what He says to do, not only is it real faith, and not only are you then prepared for when Jesus comes, here's the thing, there's a tremendous amount of rewards that come with this. Look, look at what happens here. Look, look at what happens here. So in verses 58 and 59, the neighbors and the cousins are wanting to name him Zacharias after the name of his father. And in verse 60, the mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he, should, how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marvelled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God. Listen to this, and fear came on all that dwelt around about them. And all these things were known breath throughout all the hill country of Judea. Did you hear about Zacharias? Did you hear about Zacharias? Did you hear about Zacharias? Did you see that Facebook post by Elizabeth about Zacharias? think about things here and look at this and see because Zacharias did what God said to do. There's pretty much two clear things that happen here. One of those is this. You got to see God work in his own life. He finally got to talk again. He probably, I'm going to tell you, after all this was said and done and he sat down and everybody left, he probably looked at Elizabeth and said, now let me talk about that whole cake you ate while you were pregnant. It was too much to write while I couldn't talk. We need to have a discussion here. He finally got to talk. Listen. The confirmation that he longed for when he first spoke with Gabriel. He sure got it now. No wonder his soul was so filled with joy and he began to praise the Lord and again... Folks, this is what happens when we step up by faith and we just take God at His word and we make a spiritual decision and do what God said to do. He's pleased by faith. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Please listen to this. And I'm telling you, friend, you trust God by faith and watch what He does in your life. You need to be safe. You, you say, okay, preacher, I, I've got sin in my life. I know I'm going to a place called hell, but I know that I need to be saved. And you come and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Watch what happens in your life. Watch the peace of God that floods your soul. In the forgiveness of sins, and, and the born again, and the change in your heart and in your life that begins to exude from you. God begins to work. I've given, I'm just telling you, it's happened to me. Hopefully it's happened to you. If not, boy, let today be the day. greatest gift you could ever receive is right now in Jesus Christ. But it's not just that. Because look at what happens here. Look, look look, down here. Look, It says, and his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed in verse 64. He spake and he praised God. But because of that fear fell on all the neighbors and the cousins that dwelt round about them. Word was getting out. Well, listen, not only did he get to see God work in his life, he got to see God work through his life. family and the neighbors of Zacharias and Elizabeth were completely shocked even they were recognizing that God was at work in the lives of these people and because of the faith of Zacharias he would have this message that follows beginning in verse 67 that we already looked at and it's going to be etched down in the word of God for all eternity. He would be a great influence on his neighbors and his families recognizing that God is now at work among his people and the Savior is coming. And they would be saved and their lives would be changed. And perhaps the greatest influence would be that he gets to watch his son fulfill the calling that God had placed on his life. If you don't think parents can play a role one way or the other, you are blind. Zacharias had an opportunity to either serve as the same hindrance to his child that his neighbors and his cousins were to him or he could submit himself to what God said to do and help him. Because he overcame his own hindrances, he became a help to his son. I remember when my son surrendered to preach and I'm so grateful that I'm so grateful that not he could come to me not only as his dad but as pastor both and could talk to me about what God was doing in his life and the only reason I'm telling you this because he said it publicly during Thanksgiving time when we were giving thanks unto God but I remember him sitting across my desk and saying that exact same thing how could I how could I not take what God has given me and being raised in a pastor's home and been given the understanding that I've been given and not serve God with it? And this is what I begin to think about. And I think this would be fair to say. I think he'd agree with me, and I think you'd agree with me. Had his mother and I not made some decisions in our life and overcame some hindrances and chose to trust God by faith. We never got to sit in that place and watch our kids overcome their hindrances and serve God by faith. What's keeping you? Who is it? What is it that's keeping you from, from serving the Lord by faith? Trust in Him. You know what He's called you to do. What's keeping you? Zacharias overcame it. Said, so, no, this, this is not what God said to do. We're going to do what God said to do. I'm praying this morning. There'd be some people in this room that'd step out and go, you know what? We need to start doing what God said to do. Because that's what real faith is. That's all